So we've got a special guest today. My name is Inigo San Milan, and I'm an associate research professor at the University of Colorado. I've marveled at his science for years. I work in the Department of Human Physiology and Nutrition in Colorado Springs, and also at our Anschutz Medical Campus, where I work in the Division of Endocrinology, um, Metabolism, and Diabetes. What got you interested well, in human physiology in general, and maybe mitochondria function in particular. I have been an athlete all my life, and I, I, I played six years in the, in the academy for Real Madrid uh, in Spain when I was a kid, but I was never a, a good one, so I never got <laughs> to be And then I discovered cycling, and then I, I turned into cycling. I left everything, and I started cycling. And, and I, I raced professional for two years, but a very low level, so I was never either a, a, a top pro. So I, I was a frustrated and truncated professional athlete because I never got to be to the top level. <laughs> but I, I, I was always very curious about how to improve performance, how the human limits, how to improve recovery, the physiology, the lactate. When I was already 15 years old, I, I did you know test to myself with heart rate monitor. I bought, nobody had a heart rate monitor. Like I'm talking about poof 84 or 85. <laughs> and, and I had my monitor. I, I, I used all my savings, you know, to buy a heart rate monitor that back in the days were about $200 or, or 400, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So, but, and that was very, I was very interested always in, in, in understanding this. And so when I was still with my career, I, I, I said, Hey, I would love to do this as a professional career once I leave cycling, which would be soon because I don't have much future. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So that's what I, yeah, it's just, it was, it was a smooth transition because as I was studying, I was still being a cyclist. And then I started doing internships at, a, it was the top sports medicine clinic in Spain. That was the place where PRP was developed. And, and I learned a lot and I started, you know, running the exercise physiology laboratory there. Being able to, to speak of the cyclists, of the runners, of the, of the soccer players, because I, I was one of them, it has been helping me a lot to, to be able to work in this field. I understand very well. Knowing what you know now, was it mostly in the head or was it mostly environment or genetics that stood between you and becoming a, a, a higher performance professional athlete at the time, whether it was soccer or maybe cycling? Do you, do you have a better sense now of what stopped you? And I, I think I do. I, I think, uh, yeah, my head was not, I, 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 didn't, I didn't check the box for the head. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, you know I, I was, I see other athletes now that I, I used to overthink things too much. Uh -huh. I had anxiety, like uh, I, 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 I really wanted to perform, but I, I, I was, I felt the pressure and uh, yeah, my head was not what it should be. And, uh, and also I, I, I trained way too much. I didn't eat enough. I didn't have a, a I mean, eating disorder, but I definitely, like many athletes, like I would say 70% of the athletes out there, I had a disordered eating. I was looking always at, oh man, I'm, I'm eating too much fat or, or oh crap, this is like a five, five grams of fat. Ah, I should just try to find a food that has only one. What does mitochondria function sit in terms of being one of the drivers of human performance? Where does it sit in terms of the hierarchy of things? So to me, it, it is at the epicenter, right? It is that, that's where you generate energy. And uh, by energetics, it's key for performance. It's about first, how well you utilize fuels for, uh, for energy purposes, like how well your glycolytic capacity is, and then how well your ox uh, oxidative phosphorylation is how well your fat oxidation is, even how good your 
this is something that we've seen now with another through the research, how well your protein uh, metabolism is. So everything happens in the mitochondria. People say the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but that's such a limited answer. It's it's that plus plus is the, the is is really the more expansive view of the role of mitochondria these days. It has a, it has a lot more. It has a role in immunology, has a role in cancer, and on and on. Absolutely, and, and yeah, when, when mitochondria are, are are working well, they're incredible not just to generate energy, but also. It's the best way to clear lactate, but also when they're not working properly, they can cause disease. And this is what we're seeing now in different cardiometabolic diseases like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, as well as in, in, in other diseases like cancer and even Alzheimer's. Mitochondria occur in different proportions in different parts of the body. We see more and more active tissues, less and less active tissues. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? So. Normally, the more oxidative a tissue is, that is, the more fatty acids that the tissue utilizes, the more mitochondria uh, there is. And, and for that, the heart is, is uh, probably the organ in the body with the most uh, mitochondria density. Then the, the, the least uh, oxidative and the more glycolytic a tissue is, the less mitochondria there is there. And for that, we have, for example, the, the brain. And the brain, because, yeah, the brain is, is very glycolytic. And they don't necessarily need a lot of mitochondria, although mitochondrial dysfunction is a key part of Alzheimer's disease. And then we have other tissues who are extremely oxidative, like the skeletal muscle. Right. And for that, there's a big number of, of mitochondria, and, and they're very, very active. And since skeletal muscle as, as an organ, because now we're starting to, 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 to look more at, at, at the muscle as an organ because the crosstalk to, with other organs, which is a big deal right now. And a very important thing that not many people talk about is that about 80% of the carbohydrates that we metabolize postprandial, that is after a meal, they're metabolizing through muscle. Hmm. And we have skeletal muscle in the mitochondria. And also the first tissue that sees type 2 diabetes is the skeletal muscle as well. So it's a very important organ. I've been fascinated by the science of the mitochondria, mainly by reading your work and then diving beyond that as I've tried to optimize my own lifestyle for longevity. And I've always known that low heart rate zone two training uh, is important to our health, yet it seems that the whole fitness world is moving to... Uh, peloton style uh, rides where you're riding in zone four, zone five, and killing yourself every day and being pushed every day. Perhaps you can just break the ice on how important uh, zone two training and what exactly is zone two heart rate training. Many people out there, they're training very high intensities, and now it's a, it's a big deal, the whole high intensity interval training, hit. And people want to get like very fast improvements in short period of time. But this is not what we see working with the best athletes in the world. Whether it's a rower, which is a very high intensity, or a swimmer, or a, or a marathon runner, or a cyclist, about 80% of the, of the total workload throughout the year is in that lower intensity, more like towards the zone two, and also recovery days even. About 20% is in the high intensity zones. This is also a very interesting concept that is called the polarized training, 
which is about the 80-20, roughly, which is what we see in athletes. I always say that we can be so naive to think that the best athletes and coaches in the world who, who are always trying to find the edge, trying to find what's the latest out there, how we can improve training, how we can push the limits, they haven't thought about these concepts before. Of course, they have tried it, uh, you know, and, but it has never worked. And so these concepts we see for us working in, in the elite professional sports uh, arena, we know this for many years. But unfortunately, what, what, what many people out there in the society, more at the recreational level, if you will, those concepts are lost in translation somehow. Mm. So what are the changes that are occurring at the mitochondrial level in zone two that makes it so beneficial to us? This is something that I don't think we still have the, the answer because this is something that we're working on doing studies and, and looking at more at the uh, biopsy level. But in the meantime, we, what we have is a lot of experience and, and many surrogates for mitochondrial function, which is uh, your lactate cleanse capacity as well as your fat oxidation. And now I am correlating all these parameters directly with mitochondrial function. We're getting at the university muscle biopsies from people and we're injecting those muscle biopsies different substrates to see what's the, the utilization by the mitochondria. We're also looking at the, the, the respiration of the mitochondria in general and the function of the mitochondria. But going back to the question, what, what I've seen over 25 years working with athletes is that the way I look at how mitochondrial function improved or uh, not improved is by looking at surrogates, as I said earlier. So there are two main surrogates that we see, which is fat oxidation and also lactate cleanse capacity. So both fat and this is the end of the free public preview of the Simplavita podcast for the full podcast including a transcript and show notes you can upgrade at simplavita.com this podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services including the giving of medical advice no doctor-patient relationship is formed the use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment the users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions we will not respond to requests for medical advice